Okay, so hello and welcome to our transnational politics podcast, an UVA-sponsored podcast for students by students, informing you of the most important transnational political issues of today. So today with me is um, Lena, an IR student studying her master's at UVA, and uh, also with uh, Joost, who's studying um, public policy and governance, uh, master's at UVA as well. And, yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And uh, Thomas, who, uh, along with me, is uh, doing a political economy master's at Uber. And uh, likewise, Daniel. Hey guys. Yeah, and so today um, we're going to be discussing tax avoidance. Big, big current subject. Um, and there's been a lot happening with, with tax avoidance recently, as, um, as we'll soon be finding out. Uh, and on top of this, we're not only going to be discussing tax avoidance, but what can you do in the uh, in the seemingly titanic struggle against uh, the problem of tax avoidance? Okay, so um, what is tax avoidance? How did it start? And uh, where are we at now? These are the kind of background we're going to be uh, giving you over these next few minutes just to familiarise anyone who's who's not currently um, up to date with uh, tax avoidance in the Netherlands and uh, internationally. So, what do we think, guys? What is, what is tax avoidance? Well, I think tax avoidance uh, is an interesting issue right now in a globalizing world um, where we talk a lot about corporate social responsibility and also responsibility of countries between each other and multinationals. And I think it's important to make uh, a distinction at first. You have, uh, of course, tax avoidance and tax evasion, where when we talk about tax avoidance, we're talking about acting on the periphery of the law by multinationals often permitted by countries uh, and, and their policies. And you have tax evasion where we're talking about illegal practices in not giving a, a fair introduction of, uh, of not uh, fair information of their, um, uh, of their revenues to the IRS. it's important to keep in mind that even though one is legal and one is illegal, they often essentially have the same effect on society. So depriving countries from a important tax income. But there is a huge um, difference in public view because of this legality status. But still, they are kind of essentially same, the same practice. Yeah, and I, I believe actually more, um, surprisingly, more money is lost through tax avoidance than tax evasion, even though tax avoidance isn't technically illegal. Uh, and I think this is also because of the corporate nature of tax avoidance and how it is used to channel <clears throat> potentially billions away from uh, countries that would otherwise be able to recoup profits for uh, public spending and public investment. So. It is a it is a very serious issue that we're that we're dealing with here. Um, yeah, looking back a bit, it looks like the origins of the kind of uh, Netherlands tax avoidance starts around the the nineteen seventies, and um, 
at the time there was kind of quite a strong political consensus. It looks when uh, the the Dutch government really wanted to give some of their firms a competitive advantage on the on the uh, international global market. But like these these laws now, they they seem kind of outdated. And there's there's as you probably heard in the news, seen somewhere um, online, the the current. Uh, climate is is definitely not as forgiving for uh, the current set of laws that the Netherlands have in place. What else do we have in the uh, in the background of of tax avoidance? There is. Do we have any um, stats or figures currently on the the amount of money that's channeled through? Yeah, well, we have at the moment the discussion of the dividend tax being abolished that would lead to 1.4 billion euros uh, of missed revenue because, um, and since the whole Unilever discussion is coming up again, maybe we can uh, do something with that. I mean, that's an important number. And also that uh, dividend tax numbers have been lowered. In 2016, it went from 25% to 15% in Netherlands already to make a more attractive business climate. Because at the moment we're talking mostly about um, lost revenue, but we also can say the, uh, the more attractive business climate is why countries like the Netherlands are not too willing to adjust their policies. Mm. Yeah, I think it's also relevant to state that um, the Netherlands isn't just a country that's, that's doing this. The Netherlands is one of the most prominent countries that's doing this. Of, of, of all the countries that serves the Dutch function, which is basically um, funneling the money through to other um, often known tax havens, often small island states. Uh, of all those money flows, the Netherlands has the highest percentage of which, which is 23%. Second of which after is Great Britain, which is only 14%. So you have to understand that this this is not simply something the Netherlands is engaging in, but is uh, in, in fact, uh, even a world leader in at this point. And yeah, f- following on from that, um, it looks like the the amount of for, uh, foreign direct investment in the Netherlands uh, has like been steadily around five trillion for the, um, annually over uh, the past few decades. Uh, but like of that money, only a trillion euros is uh, circulating in the around the Dutch economy which shows there's a huge amount of um, money which goes through the Netherlands but actually doesn't really impact the the economy to any um, significant extent um, and this is money that could if else if it was being utilized elsewhere would be going into to public spending um, so People are really losing out on a on a not just a national scale, but on a, on a global scale. This is affecting lots of countries at once, and definitely something that the benefits are are kind of hard to, to see. They can appear in, intangible, but um, actually, in in a long term perspective, if, if this is something that people really get up and and have the um, willingness to to change, then it it will be felt. Um, uh, across the world.
Okay, so why the Netherlands? Um, what is it about them that makes them uh, so, so attractive for uh, foreign direct investment? And, and what is it about the, the nature of their laws that uh, drives this phenomenon of them being a, a tax haven? I think this uh, can be answered in a couple of ways, especially um, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the network of tax treaties. Uh, since Netherlands is part of a lot of tax treaties, uh, this has led to a race to the bottom regarding policies. Since other European countries uh, tend to have less ambiguous treaties than the Netherlands, this has led uh, to less interest in business climate than the, the Netherlands does have. So uh, the Netherlands is attracting multinationals to its country uh, via its tax policies, um, via, for example, uh, preventing, uh, they're trying to prevent double taxation uh, in the tax policies, but in fact this results in no taxation at all for a uh, multinational. Also, they have laws like uh, participation exemption policy. This means there won't be any tax uh, over dividend or any other advantage of a business uh, settled in the Netherlands that has a subsidiary, camp, subsidiary company outside of the Netherlands. Uh, this is also an interesting uh, reason why the Netherlands is not um, exactly the uh, example of a non-tax haven. But uh, we can also see that in the Netherlands, the Dutch government is actually denying responsibility regarding um, aggressive tax planning that is done by uh, companies since the Netherlands has been trying, maybe in a some sort of minimalistic way, to uh, diminish uh, tax avoidance practices by multinationals in the Netherlands. Yeah, we have the, uh, we have the problem of double taxation treaties, the um, bilateral agreements, um, many between the Netherlands and the UK, or the Netherlands and the US, that currently um, set up and allow companies to pay dividends into um, the Netherlands, into subsidiary companies, and uh, not pay um, any tax on this by, by exploiting loopholes. Uh, and as Juist explained, it seems to, it has made the Netherlands very, uh, very attractive as um, a way to skirt um, corporate tax responsibilities. I think I think if I can add add uh, sort of a piece that I I was thinking of saying before about the the nature of that it, that the money flows through here. Um, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, the the reason for the Netherlands um, being um, such an attractive country for tax avoidance is indeed the tax policies and the institutional frameworks that exist in the country. But um, that works, of course, in tandem together with the other countries that the money is funneled to. So the Netherlands is known as the COFC, that Central Conduit Offshore Financial Center. That that basically means that that the Netherlands is a center through which money is funneled towards states which we often see as, as tax havens, island states such as Bermuda, Cayman Islands, those kinds of things. Now, uh, of course, there exists the question, why would um, you funnel the money through the Netherlands if the tax system in those countries are already so favorable? That is because 
for the big multinationals, the ones that we see putting their offices in places such as the UK and the Netherlands, they um, the tax policies are not their only interest. But what uh, countries such as the Netherlands and the UK can give is both political stability as well as legal responsibility in the sense that these multinationals believe that the uh, these circumstances that they find in these countries are politically and legally sustainable and protected, um, which makes it for them an easy long-term investment. Now, looking at the role of, of Britain um, as compared to the Netherlands, because um, Britain is the second biggest country uh, after the Netherlands in, in being a country of offshore financial center, the big advantage that Britain has competitively over the Netherlands is that a lot of these states to which we see this money funneled through um, are former British colonies. They are now semi-autonomous states such as Bermuda, Cayman Islands, think of countries like that. The Netherlands has somewhat similar structures when we look at uh, semi-autonomous colonies such as uh, Aruba or Curaçao. Uh, they also uh, have experienced problems with tax avoidance as they were even blacklisted and graylisted by the European Union. Um, but the, the true difference between those countries is first of all uh, that the Netherlands uh, has their COFC status mostly to thank for because of their tax policies, because of their existing institutions, right? And the, the second difference is that uh, Great Britain, now leaving the European Union, uh, will experience much more autonomy in its uh, status as a COFC. Right? The, as the Great Britain is no, no longer has to adhere to these EU statutes, that means that uh, it, it is more uh, autonomous in, in developing its status as a COFC than the Netherlands definitely be seen as a kind of incentive for the Netherlands to adapt specific policies in order to develop or protect their status as a COFC themselves. But it, it brings forward the, uh, the current issues, that the kind of transnational issue of um, tax avoidance so prominent because uh, it's not just the Netherlands participating in this. It's, uh, it's, it's a very widespread um, issue among both the uh, kind of Eurozone and the, the wider global um, field. And... It, it means that potentially these this kind of transnational problem might need uh, transnational solutions and uh, kind of multiple uh, sets of governance coming together to to decide on on tax laws together. Uh, but this has to start, you know, kind of at the at the local and the, the national level in the way that people um, ask for and promote the. The, the kind of leaders and politicians that they want representing them in government. Yeah, I guess the problem is that it is kind of a prisoner's dilemma that if all countries would decide that they would tax corporations more, there would be more 
like just globally more tax income available and coming to countries. But because that kind of decision hasn't been made or anything, then then countries tend to um, opt for the option where they can uh, make their country favorable to big corporations. So they would come to the country and even though they will get less tax than if everyone would tax higher, they will still get more than if they would just let some other countries be the ones without taxing lower. Um, yeah, mm. if they if they are also doing it, then they're getting more than just keeping high taxes when there are still countries that that are more favor, favorable to big companies. Yeah, and and actually, I'd I'd argue this is a reason why the Netherlands has uh, a greater responsibility to become um, reform its its tax laws because as a, an emerging market economy, it's it's much more difficult to to keep high tax laws um, because those those countries they they need development they need investment but it, it it's mainly country developed countries within Europe that have established already these these higher bands of, of corporate taxation um, so you know they they're, they're not on equal footing and I think the Netherlands has a greater responsibility um, juiced what are what do you think I was thinking uh, of the Netherlands that uh, the Dutch cabinet, one of the earlier Rutte cabinets, I think it was in 2016, uh, was arguing that the Netherlands was not really willing to um, make sure that tax policies would be on the same level of those of other European countries, since they felt like they would l- uh, lose their advantage and they wanted to be equal to other countries, but only on one condition, and that is that all countries would have the same tax policies. So basically, they would not lose their advantage, but other people, other countries would also lose their uh, specific advantages. So it would mean uh, a big rework of all the tax treaties uh, within the European Union could lead to uh, an enormous shift of um, tax policies and uh, also a shift of revenues and multinationals and stuff. So where the Netherlands actually said we are willing to cooperate with new laws, they actually uh, made it impossible by saying um, we only cooperate if all the others cooperate and then you get back to the prisoner's dilemma Ina mentioned earlier. Mm. And, and you have to wonder whether this um, this statement was made with a, with a wholehearted kind of um, commitment or whether it was uh, kind of hinting at the the difficulties that are inherent in the situation and that a nod to the reality that to to a a unified tax front within Europe is um currently probably a very um radical idea for some states particularly Ireland and Hungary that currently have very also very low levels of corporate taxation and um suggests that this problem uh, runs deep but I mean, you have to start somewhere, right? There has to be uh, has to be some first mover that that takes the step. But it it has appeared. It's good that to have. It's good to have a first mover as well. <clears throat> but in the long run, even if we were to align on a common European tax policy for corporations, uh, the rest of the world is still there, and will be competing against the European Union. Uh, so at a certain point, uh, you have to wonder how much negotiation and how much room is actually worth it. 
Yeah, I uh, think Daniel uh, indeed has an interesting point because uh, within the European Union, there's also the stance that people are not willing to change their uh, countries, not willing to change their tax policies because they say when we as a European Union uh, adjust our tax policies regarding um, uh, of towards a more fair tax policy on a global basis, we are losing our competitive edge again, but then not only as a single country, but more like in a modern world perspective, where we have countries um, uprising like China or the BRICS countries in uh, South America. So um, in this way, the whole world is not willing to step away from the current um, suboptimal situation because everybody would lose in the short term. But I think there is something to win in the long term but when I say everybody, I'm mostly saying every multinational uh, and also the countries that are depending on multinationals, which is, I think, a very interesting fact in the Netherlands as well, where you see that uh, especially the Ministry of Economic Affairs has had uh, a lot of talks with uh, companies like Unilever and Shell to make sure that they uh, have their main headquarters in the Netherlands instead of in any other country. Yeah, and, and we've seen this is a this is a very current um, topical issue as uh, the kind of Unilever transfer is it's very much underway. Um, but it looks like the Netherlands government may be blocking to uh, stop this. There is uh, proposed to be an over a, a greater than ten billion um, euro exit fee imposed by the Dutch government upon Unilever if they try to. Uh, locate their um, entire business to London, um, having traditionally had a, a Dutch Anglo approach being based half in Rotterdam, half in London. Um, it seems that Unilever's bid to transfer all of their business um, over to the United Kingdom might well be blocked. Yeah, I think I think uh, that. Uh also very much shows the sort of two-sided approach the Dutch government has has had up to this point, whereas in sort of the transnational arenas where they've been stating we cannot sacrifice uh, sort of things that, that, that we cannot do anything about, we cannot sacrifice our competitive edge, uh, also uh, putting on these restrictions for... Um, companies that might threaten to leave the Netherlands, while at the same time, once they sort of talk about uh, tax avoidance policies, the uh, state secretary, uh, Hans Feilbrief, uh, explicitly stated uh, the following quote, financial flows channeled from or through the Netherlands to another country where they are not or not sufficiently taxed will soon no longer go untaxed, which um, comes to show that when they talk about this domestically, they emphasize that it is other countries, other actors who are um, sort of abusing the loopholes that exist within um, Dutch tax systems, while to the outside they're, they're presenting it as this everybody is doing this and we cannot lose our competitive advantage. Um, talking two tales. Um, whichever one suits them best. Yeah, and it, it seems that the um, the the controversy works um, just in that case, uh, in the same way as as Unilever. That 
if a firm or company wants to establish itself within the Netherlands and enjoy the um, the the low effective tax rates that they'll be given, then the government is happy to welcome them in to um, have a place and, and do that. But then if they decide after a while that they want to leave and relocate, suddenly you're faced with a um, 10 billion plus tax exit fee, which um, seems like it's a tax, but only conditionally on the point of um, bringing foreign direct investment to the Netherlands economy. Uh, Lena, what do you think about this? Uh, well, I think the Unilever uh, example is very interesting, exactly because it's not inherently a bad, bad idea to tax leaving companies. In fact, it could um, help with the problem of tax avoidance. It is just what is problematic here is just the hypocrisy of the Dutch government, because they are very much part of this whole tax avoidance scheme globally. Uh, they they don't seem to be interested in globally fair practices uh, in taxation at all, only when it when it's about them losing their their tax gains. So while I, I do think that the policy itself, um, taken out of context, could be actually good, um, in this case it seems kind of hypocritical um, from the, the Dutch government to um, practice it. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and this is the thing where... If if no one um, holds the Dutch government to account, uh, it seems like the the European Union has definitely had trouble doing that. The um, the OECD has also had had, had trouble doing that. Uh, I think it raises the question of uh, who you know who can. And I feel like the answer I, I would give is that um, potentially it's the the Dutch citizens, the Dutch youth, you know, voter bases. Um, and and this is this is potentially uh, one of the only ways currently that there seems to be a a, a forum for um, people to you know voice their dissent through the, the uh, democratic system and let politicians know that you know people aren't content with the the way things are because it it doesn't seem you know corporations um, certainly aren't going to say anything and even if uh, transnational institutions like the EU would ideally want to crack down on tax, it, it seems they don't have the kind of, um, or perhaps the Netherlands has too, has too great an influence and stake within the EU um, to be properly uh, blacklisted and pressured by, by these kinds of organisations. So I think um, next we're going to move on for a... Um, short discussion of uh, the Eurobonds situation and the Netherlands. Okay, so on to our discussion of um, Eurobonds. Uh, just to outline the concept, Eurobonds are um, a, a kind of shared... Um, bond scheme where states band together to uh, take out a, a shared loan and uh, in a nutshell this basically means that um, less economically powerful states like for example in the past like we've seen like Greece or Spain have to pay lower interest rates which benefit them and um, the kind of traditionally uh, northern more 
uh, powerful economic states like Germany and um, uh, the Netherlands have ha- will have to pay higher interest rates on these loans. So it, it very much works in a kind of um, Euro community spirit, looking out for each other kind of uh, sentiment. And uh, yeah, we're going to discuss the the Netherlands' role in uh, the the most recent round of um, Eurobond discussions after uh, COVID has has hit. So, um, Lena, do you want to start off with a bit of a discussion about this? Yeah. So the Netherlands uh, was part of this group called the Frugal Four in the most recent, I mean, I guess they're part of that in EU anyways, but um, yeah, basically this Frugal Four uh, in these most recent um, discussions of taking Eurobonds as a response to the COVID-19 crisis, um, they were very much against uh, it. And Netherlands was kind of seen as a leader of this group of states that uh, were saying that they do not want to take your bonds as a measure because those states are the ones that would basically have to pay a, a higher interest than they normally would, as Nat just explained. Uh, so, But the problem is that then, furthermore, that the, the, the tax planning, uh, the tax laws in the Netherlands actually lo- uh, lose money to the EU as a whole. So because companies shift their profits from other countries to the Netherlands because of the Netherlands has favorable tax laws, um, the EU loses $10 billion because of it as a whole, while the Netherlands only gains 2.2 additional uh, corporate tax uh, in corporate taxes a year. So the net loss to EU as a whole is $7.8 billion. So the Netherlands makes the EU lose a lot of money. So the problem here then with the EU bonds is that a lot of the biggest losers are um, countries like Italy and Spain, which also have a relatively low, who would, would get a relatively low interest and really want to take these euro bonds. So it is not entirely fair for the Netherlands to not want to like share this burden now. Um, they they taking into consideration that they are making those countries lose uh, billions of euros um, a year in corporate tax um, income. So those countries would actually that that those countries could actually use to fund their healthcare, for example, which would be very important in this crisis. So that's basically the problem. Um, the Netherlands causes those countries to have less money, and then it also deters a way for those countries to get loans cheaper, which does not seem entirely fair, thinking the EU as a whole and the idea of sharing a burden. And I, I completely agree with uh, with what you're saying. And, you know, being, um, being English and seeing uh, what's happening in the UK right now with the, the exit from the um, European Union, I, f- I feel like uh, it's important that, you know, the remaining member states in- encourage uh, solidarity and, you know, can, can work together to, to strengthen each other's economic position. Uh, and at the same time, uh, not, you know, exploit each other over, uh, exploit each other over kind of lax tax laws. So uh, I, th- I think these are some important um 
kind of hypocrisies uh, that uh, are being brought to light, and, and the fact that the um, the Netherlands is, is is kind of shirking its responsibility of of, of being a, a team player, um, and if if it does want to sit back when it comes to the discussion of eurobonds and uh, not be not be a team player in Europe, uh, then it should at least have the kind of you know courtesy to uh, not be uh, taking money out of its uh, neighbours' pockets via uh, these these kind of uh, bilateral uh, double taxation taxation laws. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the kind of problem with the the eurobonds Euro situation at the moment with the with the Netherlands. Yeah, the organization that did this research about how much the EU is exactly losing, they they kind of recommend that like three ways that the EU could try to fix this problem. Uh, one would be kind of I think also got mentioned before, like introduce unitary taxation, but of course that would come that's very far as where is, where EU is now to like actually have like tax for all their countries, um, and also it would like reduce the global competitiveness as we were said before or like setting a minimum tax rate um kind of forces the same problem so yeah um i guess it does kind of go back to the question that if if the netherlands will try to be fairer to other eu countries will then all the losses then like all the gains just go somewhere else um, so while it is not fair, and I do think so, I guess there, the problem could then be that the EU could potentially lose even more if the other countries outside of the EU would also not agree to tax corporations fairly. Definitely, yeah. And I, I think this kind of summarizes why, you know, the it's it's an important issue, and uh, you know we should uh, if if you're a you know, student at Uber, you should be thinking about the uh, what your politicians are up to, especially if you're, you know, a Dutch citizen and have a say in the uh, democratic process. Um, and, you know, if, if you're uh, studying from abroad, then um, maybe take a look at what your politicians are doing back home and how they're handling the uh, problems of um, tax avoidance. And, uh, yeah. So I think... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, move on soon into our into our concluding remarks, and uh, kind of discuss our general message for for this session that we've uh, been uh, talking to you about in regard to uh, tax avoidance. Okay, so some uh, some concluding remarks here with with me and Lena about our discussion of of tax avoidance in the Netherlands and the the wider um, international stage. Um, what can we say? What's what's the main thing that we're uh, we're trying to get across to our viewers here? Well, I think the main thing we want to get across is that tax avoidance is a very complex issue that. It's not going to be solved overnight, um, and there's a lot of uh, factors that resist change, um, but there are some things that individuals that can still do to further this change even a little bit so that we could eventually get to a, a poor less tax avoidance. Right, yeah, so it's not going away anytime soon. 
and you know it's bigger than any one individual but there are some things that as as students and as citizens we can do to maybe try and make a little bit of difference for the situation so i think one thing um we were saying earlier is, is you know like to 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 get involved with the uh, your politicians your your local kind of political center and you know you can you can sign petitions you can um uh, write letters and you, you can also just try to generally improve the the kind of cultural awareness that goes on if you have family members if you have friends who you think this might uh, resonate with or be an important issue you know like let them know because uh you have a degree of democratic agency and if everyone comes together and tells their politicians well you know i'm not voting for you unless you start to reform your tax laws politicians want to stay in power and they will and they will uh, accommodate the electorate to an extent so it's it's a it's a viable way and then um and lena you'd mentioned something about transparency as well Yeah so in addition of just asking your representatives for higher taxes you could also um ask for example for public tax returns so we could get better information about what which companies are doing this and to what what extent um and that could also increase your capability as a citizen um if you are really interested for example to avoid using um services um of those of those companies that really avoid taxes the most for example so um that might be an easier step in some cases than just um lifting taxes a lot uh that would also allow some like for individuals to uh know more about this and also to possibly change their own behavior to um send a message to not only their representatives but to the companies that they disapprove of this kind of behavior right exactly and you know if, if companies are no longer having their products bought by anyone then you know that's gonna gonna give problems for them as well so uh yeah it's a good idea to make it the the company's problem as well as the government's problem and maybe some things will be done about this but yeah um that's been uh our episode on tax uh, tax avoidance and uh i think we should leave it here great well thank you very much and uh we'll be back next week with another episode as usual and until then stay safe in these covid times and try not to get too down about the new restrictions the government's just imposed <laughs>